Hello, my faithful listeners. Hey, would you like a free coffee on me? If so, go to the show notes and find my link to the 2024 listener survey. If you complete the survey, I'll send you a gift certificate for a free coffee on me. And one more thing. If you've been enjoying the show, would you be so kind as to leave me a review on Apple Podcasts or iTunes? It encourages me so much and it helps other people actually find the show. You know what? It's been a long time since I've read any reviews on the show. Goodness, I'm sorry. So, today, let's look at one of my recent reviews. This review comes from Estelle A. She titles her review, Amazing, and she says, Yes, finally a podcast helping others become the thriving leaders they're meant to be outside the hustle culture. This is an amazing resource. Thank you so much for sharing and helping us become spirit-driven, peaceful leaders. Wow, Estelle, thank you so much for this review. It really does highlight, so I appreciate the validation, what I want for my listeners. I want you to thrive outside the hustle culture as spirit-driven leaders living a life full of joy, gratitude, and peace. So, now, let's dive into today's episode. Today, we're going back to our study of Psalm 91 and looking at the promises of protection God offers us. If you haven't yet listened to episode number 105, I encourage you to go back and listen to that because in that episode, we discuss verses 1 through 4, and today we're looking at verses 5 through 16. Welcome to the Grace Filled Leader Podcast. Do you want better work-life balance? Do you get stuck in patterns of perfectionism and people-pleasing? Have you always been an overachiever but never really felt good enough, no matter how much outward success you achieve? Do you want more time for the things that matter most? Well, you are in the right place. Here on the Gracefield Leader Podcast, we focus on spirit-driven success and share the secrets to having better work-life balance as a busy woman in leadership. Here you will learn how to set boundaries like a boss, find peace of mind, and reclaim your time for the things that matter most. Hi, I'm Tanya, a wife, mom, leader, and certified Christian life coach. For most of my life, I tried to find worthiness through achievement. I spent decades people-pleasing and pouring myself into my work. I was looking for my value through the approval of others. This led me to feel burned out empty and exhausted. I had no time or energy for myself or my family. I realized that I was wasting time and energy looking for validation in all the wrong places. But my life changed when I finally surrendered and God showed me a different way. It is my mission to help you start living the abundant life God has for you. If you're ready to become fueled by grace and find freedom from people-pleasing, If you're ready to multiply your time and impact as a Christian woman in leadership, this podcast is for you. Roll up your sleeves, sister friends. It's time to get after it. By trusting in God's promises and His sovereignty, we can find peace, protection, and security, even in the face of uncertainty and danger. Psalm 91 verse 5 tells us, You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrows that fly by day. 
And in verse 6, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. In these two verses, God assures us of his protection from all forms of danger and harm, whether it be physical or spiritual. He assures us protection from the things of the night and the things of the day. This suggests that around the clock, we have protection from every evil known to man. The first thing verse 5 addresses is fear. Fear of the terror of the night. I think of this lurking, the lurking horrible evils done by man so often at night under the cover of darkness. He's telling us that we need not fear these things. Throughout scripture, we are repeatedly told not to fear, but to have faith in God's word, that we are protected. When we think of the arrows that fly by day as an approval seeker, a people pleaser, and a leader, I think of all of the judgment or criticism we might encounter from others or we might worry about encountering, real or not real. I think of the people that the enemy works through and the thought patterns he knows we are vulnerable to. I think of all the responsibilities that come flying at us day to day. God knows that if we are living in fear, it will keep us from operating in the faith that is necessary and always, ab- and always available for our protection. Fear is the opposite of faith. And boy, is it part of our human experience, right? So how do we keep from being afraid? Well, first we have to admit and accept that we really can't protect ourselves. We have to see that The protection God offers is already there, whether we receive it or not. Faith is the choice to receive what Jesus has already done. So back to what we have protection from. We have protection from the terrors of the night, arrows that fly by day, pestilence and plague. Pestilence is actually named twice in Psalm 91. Now, God doesn't make mistakes or waste words, so there must be some significance here. Pestilence is disease. Hmm. Disease and plague. What does that make you think of in recent years? God knew of the pestilence to come and that the fear associated to it would run rampant. So he repeats his promise of protection from pestilence. He says it in verse 3. And he says it again here in verse 6. Now, we will experience illness and disease, and we will see loved ones suffer loss of physical life due to disease. But that doesn't mean God is unfaithful to his word. We don't need to fear these things. His word is true no matter the circumstances. Our inheritance and protection isn't limited to what we receive and experience here on this earth, but it extends to the eternal promise offered through Jesus' death and resurrection. Moving on to verse 7 and 8. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. 
These verses speak to the protection and deliverance God provides to those who trust in him, even in the midst of widespread destruction and chaos. If we remain steadfast in our faith, God promises to preserve us and keep us safe from harm, allowing us to witness his justice and his righteousness in action. God knew there would be times much like those we're in when we'd be surrounded by negativity, destruction, division, and even danger. When we'd see so many unmet needs that we would feel overwhelmed by all of it. In his word here, he is warning us ahead of time and making it clear that we have a choice. We can either choose his way and find shelter in our faith, in which case, such danger would not approach us. Or we can live the world's way, ignoring or unaware that there's another option. In verse 9 and 10, we see again an emphasis on what our role is in receiving God's protection. And it offers another dimension to his protection. It reads, If you say, The Lord is my refuge, and you make the Most High your dwelling, No harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent. Here, the psalmist emphasizes the importance of actually verbalizing and demonstrating wholehearted trust in God as the ultimate source of safety and security. And when we do, his covenant is not just with us as individuals, but it says here he will protect our tent, our household. Our faith can be exercised or demonstrated trust in protection over ourselves and also over our families. As mothers, isn't that one of the biggest sources of worry? Your family? Fear and worry for my kids were strongholds much of their growing up years. I regret my lack of faith in that regard. Believe me, I tried to be faithful, but I really struggled to surrender fear for my kids. It is still very much an area of vulnerability, but God has shown me so much freedom from the full sense that I could somehow control their circumstances and protect them through excessive worry and fear-based parenting. I wasn't modeling what I want them to experience in their lives. I want them to experience the freedom and the peace that comes instead from trusting the Lord completely. This verse comforts me in its promise to protect my household if I am faithful in trusting God with their protection. It isn't even saying that it relies too on their faith. It is saying that if I am faithful in trusting God, He is faithful in protecting also my tent or my household. But you know, I must have done something right in trying to make sure my kids were exposed to the power of faith and living a life in relationship with Jesus. And of course, this waxes and wanes. If those of you that have had teenagers, you know how sometimes their faith or their trust can be compromised or influenced by those that surround them. But I may may have told this story before, but it has such a powerful example of complete trust and the protection that's offered with that level of faith that sometimes our children, 
before they've been so compromised by the world, they are better sometimes at demonstrating that full depth or 100% faith in the Lord's protection. So I might have told this story before, but my husband and my son were driving back from Canada one night. They were several hours from home in Canada in a rather sketchy and desolate stretch of road. And it was extremely cold, like minus 20 degrees Fahrenheit or even colder. I can't remember. I think it was actually even colder. So my husband was driving a diesel pickup truck and it started to gel up and fail. Eventually, my husband could not get it to start and stay running. So they pulled off to the side of the road. My husband told my son, who was young at that point, I think he was probably nine or 10, um, maybe eight. So my son told him, or my husband told my son that he should start gathering up their snow gear because they might have to likely use the snowmobile to drive home. The snowmobile was actually, I guess, luckily on the trailer behind the truck. Now you can imagine that this would not have been an especially safe option either, as they would have probably suffered frostbite at the minimum and even hypothermia in those kinds of temperatures, traveling for several hours. Now before doing what my husband said, my son said, wait dad, we haven't prayed yet. Now my husband probably didn't quite have the level of trust that my son did in that moment. But he said, you're right, it can't hurt. Go ahead and say a prayer. My son believed 100% in the power of prayer at that age. He believed what I had told him and what he had heard at church. So he prayed that God would help them, that he would make the truck work so that they could make it home safely. Then he told my husband to try to start it one more time. My husband turned the key and that truck started right up and it ran smoothly the entire ride home. What a moment God used through my son's faith to show his power of protection for both the fully faithful child and those in his tent, so to speak. My husband, his father, who likely was not as trusting as he was in that circumstance, If you know anything about diesel engines and cold weather and the odds of that happening after it had already gelled up, you know that it was indeed a miracle and God's delivery on what he promises in his word. God goes so far as to offer us protection through his angels too. Verse 11 through 12 says, For he will give his angels charge concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will bear you up in their hands lest you strike your foot against a stone. This is not just fluffy stuff, y'all. Think about the magnitude of this. We will never really know on this earth how many things we have been spared from because of the interventions of God's angels on our behalf. I'm sure you all have heard stories or read stories about angel encounters. I was actually just reading one today as I prepared for this recording. And I wanted to share it with you as an example of someone's encounter with what they believe to be an angel. And it really lines up with so many of the ones that you'll see or hear about or read. So this man is telling a personal account. 
The story occurred in the early 1960s, before my wife was born and when her older brothers were just toddlers. The family was driving in the car and it was evening. They had an accident with another vehicle and my wife's mother, my, my wife's mother's head went through a broken windshield and back again. She was cut up quite badly. The boys in the back seat were crying and their dad was telling them not to be afraid and he quoted scripture that said, stand back and watch the salvation of the Lord. They got out of the car and other drivers stopped to give assistance. Soon, a man carrying an old-fashioned doctor's bag walked up and told everyone, step aside, I can take care of this. He proceeded to quickly bandage the mother's face putting her at ease and stopping the bleeding. Dad was distracted for a bit, speaking to the police, but he says that it was not long before he got back to his wife. The man who helped her was gone. He asked people there where he went, and none of them had any recollection of ever having seen any man there at all. Not long after, at the hospital emergency room, Doctors examined her and declared that whoever bandaged her must have been an expert because a highly trained doctor could not possibly have done a better job. She healed so well from what could easily have been a fatal accident that she only had one very small scar on her face. It's only noticeable to someone who knows to look for it. The family has long been convinced that God sent an angel to give them assistance when they needed it the most, but that, but that the angel, like many times in scripture, instantly vanished once the job was done. Isn't that cool? So now moving on to Psalm 91 verse 13. You will tread on the lion and cobra, the young lion and the serpent you will trample down. Now God reveals the authority we have as believers, but only by his name. And in Luke chapter 10, we see this again. It says, Behold, I have given you authority to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall injure you. Many times we see scripture connected in this way. As we look at this verse in Psalm 91, it's an illustration of the things that bring us harm in our lives. It speaks to the works of the enemy. We have big, bold, lion-sized problems that attack us head-on. We have young lion problems that pester us and can destroy us over time. Maybe that's negative and destructive thought patterns that distract us from faith in God. Then we have cobra problems, those things that sneak up on us, deceive us, and keep us distracted until... They consume us. And in this translation, it speaks of the serpent. Or in the King James Version, it is the dragon. The Hebrew word translates as sea monster. Maybe those are the things like unfounded fears, things we've totally made up in our heads. All of these things that might come to destroy us we are told here that we have authority on in him to trample on them. We don't need to be controlled by the enemy. These problems have to submit to the authority of his name. 
Now we see a shift in the tone beginning in verse 14. The author of this psalm switches from talking in third person about God's promises to now God speaking to us. This shows a level of intimacy of God's relational nature. Verses 14 through 16 say this, Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. He will call on me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. These final verses essentially sum up the promises and demonstrate the love God has for us. I see them speaking to the currency through which we receive God's promises, and that is our love for Him. Not only will He protect us, but He will rescue us. He will deliver us as we profess our love and acknowledge His name. They might be ex- external battles, and they might be internal battles that we need and get delivered from. He will answer our call. He will be with us in times of trouble. He will honor us. The thought that our Most High God would bestow honor on us, that's pretty remarkable. Have you ever experienced God's honor or His favor on your life? Sometimes it comes after a lot of struggle, doesn't it? Maybe there's struggles that God allows out of love that we might draw nearer to him and become dependent on him. Look at Joseph, for example. God told him in a dream that he would honor him. But boy, did he have to go through a lot of hard stuff before the full breadth and depth of favor was realized. But through all of Joseph's difficulties, he was faithful and he was trusting. He felt God's presence. This honor amongst the other promises God is offering is given simply because we love him and we trust in his faithfulness. With God's promise of long life here, he adds that he will satisfy us and show us salvation. If we invite God to fill all of the empty spaces in us, he will give us fulfillment. God wants us to live a fulfilling and satisfying life. But only he, through his spirit, can fill all of the empty spaces and bring complete fulfillment. So many times we try to fill the empty spaces with all the wrong things. And the final promise here, that he will show us salvation, his salvation, this is our ultimate victory. God promises that we will see salvation up close and personal, both during and after our long and satisfying life on this earth. Our future is secured through Jesus. By believing and professing that Jesus died for our sins and that he is the Lord of our lives, By accepting and giving our love through relationship with Him, we will enjoy the gift of salvation here, now, and in eternity. I love how this psalm ends with such a personal and intimate summation of God speaking to us His promises. It's like His own little love letter. 
because we love him and we know him by name. In other words, we join in a knowing relationship with him. He promises to protect us, to give us authority over evil in his name, to hear and answer those who pray according to his word, to rescue or deliver us from trouble, to honor us, to give us a long and satisfying life, and to show us salvation. I encourage you to look closely at Psalm 91 and draw comfort from it. Use it as a prayer, thanking God for the promises, the protection, and the provision in which he has already and will continue to demonstrate his faithfulness. And until next time, I wish for you days that are filled with gratitude, peace, and God's amazing grace. I pray this episode blessed you, spoke to you, or encouraged you in some way. If so, please share it with a friend and head on over to Apple Podcasts to leave me a review. That's the only way for me to know if you're enjoying the show. Nothing blesses me more than to hear from you. Also, come on over to our free Facebook community. This is a great place for us to support one another on our faith and leadership journeys. You can find the link to the group in the show notes or go to gracefilledleader.com forward slash community. If you have questions or content ideas for the show, please send me a message on SpeakPipe or via email. Go to gracefilledleader.com forward slash contact and leave a written or voice recorded message. I would love to know how I can best serve you on the podcast. Now to him who can do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. Ephesians 3 verse 20. Until next time, my friends, God bless.